0: Today's episode is being sponsored by Blue Energy Milano. Blue Energy Milano is a renewable energy company based in Milano, Italy, specialized in developing renewable energy projects in Italy and Moldova. More than 650 megawatts for the grid parity and the feed-in tariff are under development. Contact Blue Energy Milano at info at blueenergy.mi.it, or at www.blueenergy.com. Good morning, and welcome to 50 Shades of Hospitality. This is Crystal Cavan, your host. Today, we are very happy to welcome... Mary Mayenfisch-Tobin, who is an educator and lawyer, and an expert in human rights, business, and sustainability. Hello, Mary, and welcome to our show. And can you please tell our listeners
1: about yourself? Hi, Crystal. It's really great to be here with you today. Tell the readers about myself. Well, yeah, I'm a a lawyer, as you say. I'm very interested in the work you're doing because I worked for many years in the hospitality industry, working at the École Hôtel de Lausanne as law professor, and they opened up their new English section. I I worked in there. I also spent some time in Lyon, and I still give courses from time to time to different uh, hospitality schools here in Switzerland. And to business schools. So as you say, I'm a I'm a lawyer, a human rights lawyer, I would say, but very, very interested in the area of business and in the area of hospitality. In addition, I, I worked for many years uh, with an American university, Pepperdine University, which where I directed the campus in Switzerland. But I also took the time to teach law with the human rights emphasis and to bring in speakers from many different industries and sectors to see how the world was changing and how we could make it a better place for us all.
0: Mary, can you please um, tell us what is the link between sustainability and human rights in the hospitality field, but of course in other businesses as well? Yeah, that's
1: a really great question because I think it's a question that people find hard to answer. Sustainability for a start, I think I'd, I'd like to start with thinking about the area of human rights, because we have a saying, and I've been working for many years, I've been a lobbyist, a legal lobbyist with Amnesty International Business and Human Rights Group. And Amnesty International, of course, is a non-governmental organization, which tries to ensure that human rights are respected everywhere in the world, no matter what industry you are, are in, no matter what government you are leading, no matter what country you live in. So business and human rights is is an idea that came into being maybe 20 30 years ago from an amnesty perspective it means wherever business goes human rights were there first and i think that's a really great starting point secondly having said that let's talk about sustainability sustainability basically means that we want to leave the world in the same state in which we found it. It's really as simple as that, and it's no more difficult. It's very difficult, but it's no more difficult to explain. And the third area that I'd probably just like to mention quickly is the idea of the sustainable development goals, because those are the goals that were brought forward by the United Nations in 2015, putting, talking and trying to see how we could make the world a better place for everybody, you know, sustainable developed goals in relation to gender equality, in relation to no poverty, in relation to education for all and so on. So I think if you put it into that context, it's kind of easy to see where the link to hospitality would be, because the hospitality industry is, it was the last time I looked, one of the biggest industry in the world. I think about 11% of everybody in the world works in this industry. And uh, if we're not sustainable in this industry, it's very complicated. Now, what I've noticed in my work with the hospitality industry, which began back in 1997, is we always tended, and it's not the only industry that did this, to look at the environment as being sustainability. But it's not. Environmental is The environmental issues are a, a starting place, particularly for the hospita- hospitality world, which thinks a lot about the costs, you know. Do we have enough water? How much are we using? What about what do we do with all the plastic that we're, we're building up, and so on? Those kinds of issues, energy, and so on. But it's so much more than that. The link to hospitality deals with uh, social progress and how we ent- how we wish to develop as well. The economic development, the social issues are, are huge. You know, as you know, and I, I think it's still the case, right? We have a lot of students who come into hospitality and then when they're finished their studies, they go off and do something completely different. We don't have a great retention rate of our own students because we teach them very ably the elements of business. And then they decide when it comes to the point of deciding on their own careers that they're not getting paid well enough, that they don't have a work-life balance. And I know a huge amount of former students I had, I had over a thousand students in the Ecole Hotelier are working in food industry, are working in trading industries, are working in, you know, the the big four and so on. And we don't have enough people who stay in the industry for which we train them. So that for me, is sustainability.
0: On International Women's Day this year, you gave a presentation about gender equality to over 200 global students at the Swiss hospitality schools, SHMS and HIM. Can you give us an outline of what you spoke about?
1: Sure. Uh, I was delighted to be invited to to give that presentation to the SHMS and HIM uh, Hospitality Schools. I was invited by the Associate Dean and the Dean of the School in HIM. And it was a real pleasure to be in front of those students who, as you know, uh, as we always find in hospitality, were coming from probably about 100 different countries. So it was very complicated to decide exactly what I wanted to speak about on International Women's Day, where we have to really sort of think about the world we have put in place and see how we can progress for everybody. So I decided to talk about, first of all, from an international basis, what exists in terms of what we should be doing in relation to gender equality. Now, coming back to what I said a few minutes ago, when we're talking about sustainability in the hospitality industry, if we don't talk about diversity and inclusion, we're missing out on elements that will actually help us to keep the best people working within the industry. Everybody wants to have a life balance. And I know in hospitality, it's probably one of the most difficult places to achieve that. My two aunts, in fact, my mother's two sisters, twin sisters, both worked in hospitality. So we lived... with the the lives of those two incredibly interesting women. But we understood that their life was not an easy one because your your work-life balance was very complex. So that was one of the things I decided to talk about look first of all at the international conventions that exist to explain to everybody in a, a room of 250 what we need to look out for. And the first thing uh, I looked at was the CEDAW convention, the convention for the elimination of Women against, discrimination against women, which most countries in the world have signed up to. And I explained to the students how there are uh, pe- periodic reviews to look and see how countries are, are going, so suggested they should have a look at that. And secondly, we had a look at a new convention, reasonably new convention coming from the Council of Europe, which is the Istanbul Convention, looking at the elimination uh, of violence against women. So first of all, that was the big picture stuff. And then I moved down into looking at 41 countries and what they were doing uh, in relation to childcare. Because if you're talking about gender equality, you have to look at a few different elements. First of all, you have to look at gender, gender stereotyping. You know, how do we train boys and girls to believe that they're going to do or they're going to have certain jobs uh, in their future. So this begins at a very early stage. So I was able to show the students some very interesting, very uh, simple, interesting films about children in the school age five to seven and how they have already decided at that age that boys are going to be pilots and boys are going to be doctors and girls are going to go into the caring industry, things like that. And I think that was a very interesting moment for everybody, because I don't think any of us realized before just how early the stereotypes begin. And how do we change that? And the second thing I had to look at with the students was the idea of childcare. Because again, very often in many countries, and I was aiming at a very big audience, we still think that The caring of children and our parents should come back to the girls. And again, why should it be like this? And I explained to the students in that conference that some countries were doing better than others. And one of the the, the good students was Iceland. And uh, Iceland basically said that if we don't have proper kindergartens and schools for, for children and if we don't have proper proper gender stereotyping education at early stages, we will never change. Those were the big pictures that I wanted to bring home to the students. And I kind of finally closed it out by talking with the students about equal salaries. You know, we still live in a world where I don't think there's one country in the world that actually pays women equally to men. So that must change. And if those things don't change, we won't have the people we want, for example, in the hospitality industry.
0: Yes. I remember when I was teaching, I would often show the students the World Economic Forum Gender Gap Report, which I think comes out every year. That's the one I
1: showed them. It's exactly the one. Yeah, dead on.
0: Yes, and we can see the best-ranked countries and the Scandinavian countries regularly come at the top. Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Iceland... Absolutely. And according to the gender gap report,
1: it's going to take us 132 years to make sure that gap gets lessened. And to be truthful, since COVID, we all know and the reports have shown things have gotten even worse. So we're not on the right path right now.
0: So I have another question. In 2000, while working for EHL in Lausanne, you attended an ethical cooperation conference in London and you were the only hospitality education representative there. How did this conference inspire you to make this a priority in your professional life and uh, teaching that's a, that's a really good question
1: because I think and as far when I speak to a lot of people who are involved in the same areas as me, I think I was on the boat very early on because back in the year two thousand, I had begun to hear the words which a lot of people know now corporate social responsibility and uh, I'll tell you what I think about corporate social responsibility in a few minutes. But at the time, I thought, I mean, this is really interesting. Businesses are beginning to think about how to act and what is responsible business. And I actually applied for a little scholarship. It wasn't a scholarship. A little money was given to me because I wrote an article about this. I was law professor at the Hotelier, saying what I thought the future should look like in hospitality. And they sent me a ticket to one of the first ethical corporation events in London. I was the only lawyer there, that's for sure. I think I was the only hospitality person there. But there was a huge amount of people from human resources sitting there trying to see how do we do a better job socially. I came back to the École Hôtelier de Lausanne. I transcribed everything and put it into the library. So it's still sitting there under somewhere in the library. And I tried then to bring it into my courses, no matter what I taught, no matter where I taught. I began to bring in people in industries who were looking at the responsibilities of business differently. And I stopped calling it corporate social responsibility. I started to call it corporate responsibility, which is more in line with all the thinking that's going now on everywhere about business and human rights, about ESG, environmental, social and governments, about impact investing and so on. We're now talking about corporate responsibility. So for me, It was a real wake-up moment, and it was a wake-up moment that I tried to bring into every place I worked later on. But I also that year, I remembered, because thank you for asking the question, I remembered I had also gone to Houston, Texas. There was a lawyer called Stephen Barth. In the University of Houston. And he was thinking about not these issues, but he was thinking about responsibility in a different way, because we don't think about these things in the same way, depending where we live. And I brought up at that time, the whole idea of corporate social responsibility, business and human rights, although it wasn't called that then. And how could the industry become much more responsible, not just environmentally, but in relation to looking at the whole sustainability and the future of the whole industry? So it was, it was a turning point for me. Yeah. Something else, too, I forgot to tell you. We, in the École Hôtelier de Lausanne, uh, myself, with a number of my colleagues, we set up, uh, what was it called? THIST, Tourism Hospitality Institute for Sustainable Development. But unfortunately, we were first movers. We never got it moving because there wasn't, at the time, a big enough understanding of sustainability and how it should and needed to impact on the hospitality industry.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've lost a lot of time, haven't we? (laughs) Do you think the hospitality field is doing enough to improve gender equality and human rights? No. (laughs) That's a very short answer. (laughs) Um, Knowing
1: I was going to have this discussion with you today, I decided to go and have a look to see what was happening in, in recent times. And I still found that an awful lot of the websites I looked at were looking, first of all, at the environment very, very strongly, but not looking long and hard enough about the other two elements, which are to do with the social and the governance side. And I did come up against, I think it's called the Sustainable Hospitality Alliance, which I saw was sort of trying to take some movements further. And I looked at their timelines. And so they did start off way back in the 1990s, and they were involved with the Green Hotelier. You've probably heard of these different initiatives. And then they became involved with the business and the community. And I think It's moving, but I don't think it has moved fast enough. Now... I would mention one or two maybe issues that show some change, and one is to do actually with my former school, the École Hôtelier de Lausanne. They came up last year for the first time on the rankings, the Times Higher Education Impact Rankings. And the impact rankings actually require universities to pick out four Sustainable Development Goals, and they must choose Sustainable Development Goal 17 partnerships, because of course, if universities are just talking to themselves and not reaching out to the public, it's difficult to see what kind of an impact they would have. So SDG 17 has got to be uh, taken on board by any of these universities and they can choose three others. So I did see there were a number of universities here in Switzerland, not in the hospitality industry and and the Ecole hotel de Lausanne. So for me, that is a sort of a, a shining light in terms of thinking about the future and looking at those rankings, which the word economic Uh, forums said are the universities that are going to change the world. So when we start getting on to to that level, I think it will make some change, but it's
0: not faster. In your opinion, what does a company need as far as diversity is concerned? and Why is it important? I mean, what do companies risk when they don't include diverse stakeholders? (laughs) They risk not having the right people
1: in, in the room when they're making the big decisions, right? I think I always have one example, but it comes from outside the tourism industry. Although I wouldn't mind talking to you a little bit about event management afterwards, if we have time, otherwise another time. But the one example that really stuck in my mind was a friend of mine was working in a big pharmaceutical company, and they were they were coming up and producing a medication to deal with diabetes, and it was in the form of a pill that's coated by a type of gelatine. But they were aiming at the Middle East, and they didn't have the right people in the room. So when the pill was finally produced, people came from a certain religion that weren't in agreement to take this pill. So I think it's a very, very simple (laughs) example of not having the right people in the move. The car industry has had the same sorts of problems. Some of the Japanese automobile companies have found themselves with not women in the room or not non-Japanese people in the room and the decisions made reflected that. So for me, diversity, it's as simple as that. If you want to have the solutions for business problems, you need to have all the people in the room to help you make the right decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you think people are really conscious about human rights and sustainability? I mean, what can companies, what can schools, what can businesses, organizations do to improve this?
1: I think they're becoming more conscious, but I don't think they're conscious enough. Every year I'm invited into a certain number of business schools and to the University of Freiburg here in Switzerland as well to talk about business and human rights. But it's only, if you like, the education of business and human rights is only beginning. For example, I I think there's always a problem in terms of interdisciplinary teaching, uh, you know, and I think that's one of the places that the hospitality schools really have an advantage because a, a hospitality student comes in and they get a chance really to go across the board and to study every subject. Most universities' educations or a lot of university education is much more siloed. So I don't think, no, uh, we, we've really taken on and started to to teach education of business and human rights i think it's 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 only beginning to start but i think it has, it has to move much more quickly because we need to know what are the risks we need to know when we do business in a globalized world what are the risks now i'm very legal so when people talk to me about business and human rights and um, i always think about risk i always think about if i'm let's say a fossil fuel company and i'm being sued because my investors are saying, you never told us about the risk. Well, then I think I would try to think of where is my business going to go? But instead of that, we tend to hear the same old discussions over and over again in relation to you know, making sure the bottom line, uh, profit bottom line, it continues to, to, to work. But we absolutely ignore the problem of the risk that we're taking, destroying our planet and destroying our people right at the same time. So no. Auditor.
0: And actually, there have been quite a few recent legal uh, rulings about the risk that some of these companies and governments are putting their people, you know, in danger because they haven't made the right decisions and are not creating laws to protect the health of the people to protect the environment. I'm sure you keep track of all of that.
1: I do. I do. I've actually three papers beside me and I was just looking at them this morning. I'm writing a blog on ESG investing. When you look at the difference between the attitudes in the different countries uh, in relation to environmental, social and governmental investment, basically the U.S. is calling this "woke capitalism, whereas in the U.K. there's a huge push to ensure that the risk for pension funds is covered. It's completely the opposite attitude. So for me, uh, I think There's an awful lot of work to be done, but I think we have to move away from politics and really start to think about the issues. And maybe I'm putting my finger on something that really needs to change now. If you go into politics, go in there to do a good job for the country. (laughs) Go in there for that cause, because if we don't begin to do a good job, we won't have any peace and we won't have any countries either. Very, very difficult discussion right now, but it needs to be had.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people are still using profit and money as excuses not to move forward on a lot of these issues you know oh we have to think about the uh, economy but if there's no economy to protect because we've ruined the environment and how long is it going to take for these people to figure this out
1: i think our children will be very fed up if we don't start doing things properly i think that we're leaving a world that is not sustainable and that's the whole idea of sustainability. We leave the world in a good or a better place than we found it. It's not the case right now, Crystal. Yeah.
0: Another thing I wanted to ask you is, do you think it's important that hotel schools include law courses and human rights and sustainability topics in their curriculum?
1: Well, I'm a law professor. I, so I absolutely think it is. I, I, I always feel as a lawyer, particularly when you're working in business school, you're you're kind of the, the fly in the ointment. You're always the one who says, no, you can't do that. And have you thought about the risk of this or, you know, we're, we're sort of like difficult people. And I worked. <laughs> I worked for for many years working with student dissertations. When I was with the École Hôtelier, I did about 40 different dissertations with with professors who were dealing with human resources, who were dealing with IT, who were dealing with food and beverage and so on. And I found it extremely interesting, but I'm not saying it was easy because when you bring legal people into the, into the match, it's always, we're very fact-based kind of people, but I think you need this. Mm-hmm. I mean, any hotelier will tell you, anybody in the industry will tell you, a great number of the decisions you're making in any, any one day our legal decisions, mm-hmm. our contractual decisions, our risk decisions, you know. So, for example, at the École Hôtelier, we did some extremely interesting dissertations on, let's say, food and allergies, mm-hmm. which has become a huge issue today. And I'm talking about back in the early 2000s, because I left the École Hôtelier in 2004. Mm-hmm. But we also did some really interesting uh, issues, uh, dissertations. That I think I said this to you before, dealing with GDPR. At the time, it was called data protection. Are you allowed or not allowed to use your your client's information without their permission? And of course, you're not. But at that time, information was flowing all over the world from mm-hmm. hotel chains saying, yes, Mary loves sandwiches or marmalade. And as you went into your hotel room, it said, you know, your marmalade is ready. And, and I was sort of thinking at the time, oh, I don't think I would do that because <laughs> I'm legal, right? So if you don't... <laughs> You know, yeah, you probably don't like lawyers either, Crystal. But I love you, Mary. But you have to think about these things. Or we, we would have discussions with the students of if somebody has an accident, how do you react? And very often, most of the way you avoid legal action is through good communication. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you if you don't have that knowledge passing through to students i mean i have students have come back to me years later i I met one the other day at the conference up in 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 co Mm -hmm. and she said to me she still uses the kind of information i gave her at the time some students said i i took the documents with me because i knew one day I, i would use them so yeah we have to teach law we have to find how to teach it though it has to be integrated i think with other subjects but i think it's really really important in anybody's life.
0: absolutely I think we would all love to have a lawyer as a good friend to help us sometimes (laughs) with these kinds of risks and issues. Or not. Or not. (laughs) Mary, a lot of hospitality students end up going into event management. Uh, What kind of risks are there in this field in terms of human rights and sustainability and everything we've been talking about?
1: That's a really great question, Crystal, because this is where I see a huge amount of risk. Mm In my work as a legal lobbyist for Amnesty Business and Human Rights Group, and I began with them back in 2005, so I followed this for a very long time, you have to understand that groups like Amnesty, who are trying to instill human rights to ensure human rights are respected, will take advantage, and any NGO working in this area, will take advantage of these big events that take place. So, for example, let's look at what happened in Beijing. In Beijing, the Beijing Olympics... The stadiums were built in about two years, two and a half years. And why? Because the people who were building were not allowed to take uh, toilet breaks effectively. And so the abuses of human rights were terrible. Now, for people working in this area, and this is an area where you find a lot of hospitality students, they're going to find themselves in the middle of these human rights abuses. And what do you do about it? Mm The risk is even greater to some extent for the sponsors, because the sponsors don't want to find themselves in the middle of a human rights abuse, which is what, exactly what happened in Beijing when Coca-Cola were faced with this problem. And they had to decide, what are we going to do with our advertisements? So instead of beaming out their messages to the world in relation to what Coca-Cola was doing, they beamed it inside into China because the human rights abuses were probably not going to be taken in the same way within China. So for me, for hospitality students working in event management, this is a huge risk. We saw what happened recently in Qatar. Again, the same sorts of issues. And if you remember two Where the footballers were not, they wanted to make, put forward some very important messages and they were basically told, don't do it. Years ago, we saw the same story with Nike. Nike had problems back in the 1990s, 1995, where they were sued by uh, an activist group And, and they made the decision because of that not to put any social reports forward for another five years and they tried to change the way they communicate. So, my big question is we're teaching students in hospitality or in business schools about communication. We're teaching them about marketing. And in the end of the day, when I speak, as I do to many business students, when I give courses and I ask them who they trust, they basically trust nobody. So we have a lot of questions we should be asking ourselves about this. There's one other story maybe that might be interesting, relates to Roger Federer, our very famous uh, tennis player, one of the most loved people, I would say, and one of the most loved sports people in in Switzerland, but he found himself also in the middle of uh, a very complex, difficult situation because of Credit Suisse, which was one of his uh, sponsors, because it was felt that Credit Suisse was not paying much attention or enough attention to some of their investment in terms of sustainability. So Roger Federer found himself also a little bit in the eyes of the camera in relation to how he had chosen his sponsors. So hospitality students will find themselves in the very middle of these kinds of discussions. And that's where there has to be a lot of thought given to these issues, business and human rights. The Olympic Committee, many years ago, when I started thinking about this and working with Amnesty, the Olympic Committee stayed far clear of it. But today, I think there's a great understanding that these are issues that have to be thought about because they're risks. And when you're talking about risks, you have to think about how you're going to deal with So I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, just to go back to what you just said. And so the the fallout from the situation in Qatar, you know, do you think that the FIFA is going to change the way it chooses their destinations in the future? Do you think the FIFA learned anything from this? Really, really good question. (laughs) I don't want to be cynical. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) I would probably and every time i talk to students i talk about this i say to them when you i think kids have changed i think students have changed i think there was a time everybody wanted to work with the banks where you where you made the big books you know but i think now when i talk to students and i don't know what you feel about this but they're giving much more thought perhaps to who they want to work with and what values they have and what is their fit So my thought would be, if you want to get the best students with the right values, then you have to do the right thing. Now, whether the world is going to change in a day, I don't think so. uh, But the reason I stay in education is to keep asking those questions and to keep hoping that one day it'll be understood that if you want to have a good employee with the right values, you have to do the right thing too, because that's why they chose you.
0: So Mary, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today and giving us some insight into sustainability, human rights, gender equality. Obviously, what we'd like is to invite you back to go, maybe go deeper into some of these topics, because there's a lot to say. And I know our listeners are probably very interested in these topics. So we hope to invite you back again. And thank you again for being part of our podcast today.
1: It's been a great pleasure. And I'd love to come back again. Great. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Christy.
0: Is being sponsored by Blue Energy Milano. Blue Energy Milano is a renewable energy company based in Milano, Italy, specialized in developing renewable energy projects in Italy and Moldova. More than 650 megawatts for the grid parity and the feed-in tariff are under development. Contact Blue Energy Milano at info at blueenergy.mi Dot it or at www.bluenergy.com.